1: So, welcome to another week of Dungeon Deep Dive. Uh, this is a part of our other other project where we're going to be... Uh, di- Ugh, I can't speak today. <laughs> where we're going to be diving into uh, some characters. Talking a little bit about characters and how they work into the world. Uh, one of the big weaknesses about uh, tabletop role playing games is that you tend to keep your character a bit secret until it gets revealed. And often you just want to share that stuff. So I figured why not. Um, last, last fortnight we had a chat to Brooke... And talk through a potential new character. Uh, By now, hopefully, we will have found out what the fuck's going on with Squid and or this new character. But in the meantime, let's hear a bit about another person in this campaign. It's Adelaide! Uh, Welcome, Grace Chadell, regular host (laughs) of the show.
2: Yes, I'm here once again. Uh, This time with a topic that I also didn't do a lot of research on. So, same, same.
1: I mean, that's fair. Um... So tell us, uh, what is the most important thing about Adelaide?
2: Um, she's a sweetheart. She's nice. She's,
1: she's she, very she's nice. A, she's a
2: good girl. She's a little gooey.
1: A little gooey. A little yeah. gooey is a good description. Um, this is uh, an interesting one for me because this was probably one of my first major homebrewing experiments. Um, Grace approached me with an idea... That was basically, hey, I found this homebrew for an oblex. Can I use it? And uh, myself loving the gooiness of this, saying absolutely yes.
0: Uh, for those of you who um, don't know, I'm also here. Hello, it's me, Lachlan. I <laughs> do this podcast sometimes too. Um, for those of you that do not know, an oblex is essentially a giant slime monster that just kind of absorbs fellas, it just kind of eats fellas up, and then it turns into them. That's good fun.
1: Yep. Yeah, so it's a creature that I believe was part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, there was a boy who really wanted to be part of making D&D books. Ooh. And so when wizards were making Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, they invited him in to help them make a monster. Oh, and this is what he came
0: up that's with. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Because it's like a genuinely really
1: rad monster.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm, it's, I think, one of my favourite designs from, from Mordenkainen's. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that it was like from an outside source. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so he's credited in the front of the book as well oh, as part of part of that. And um, yeah, it's so this monster that absorbs memories and comes up with simulacra of the people that it stole memories from. So we've created a little homebrew for the uh, Awakened Oblex as a player character race, which I will actually share in the show notes. Uh, thank you to uh, the homebrewery for helping come come up with the formatting for it. Um, but that'll be in the description if you'd like to see it. And uh, what prompted this decision, like this wanting to make the Obelix?
2: Um, Look, I'm gonna be real right with you. I saw the thing about the um, the like Make a Wish Foundation kid on Tumblr, and I was like, hey, that's cool as hell. And I know two people currently who are big into D and D stuff, and who know enough about D and D to help me just like make this playable. Um, I'm pretty sure I went and harassed Lachlan about it first, um, and they were busy. And then I went and harassed Tully about it because Tully was starting a campaign I was like, look, can I get in on this? And can I borrow your big books and big brain to sort of twist this into something that I'm allowed to play without breaking any of the, like, storytelling rules?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's been an interesting experiment because... Uh, even last session, we came up with a, a bit that's that I'm going to need to alter about the the thing, about how your armor class works. Yes. <laughs> so that will be an interesting one to work with. And I'm still tossing up how uh, we're going to go about having your Simulacra wearing armor and or managing your armor class. Yeah. Because you're too easy to hit for a rogue.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting zone because Grace is, yeah, very much that kind of, like, glass cannon rogue, except because oblexes aren't really physical. Um, if you, like, sure, you can hit them and it'll, like, bounce off. It's like when you, like, hit, like, cornflower goo is how I imagine it. Mm. Um, if mm. you just kind of leave something sitting on it, it's just going to so- kind of sink through. So Grace technically isn't allowed to wear... Any armor, which yeah, is kind of a kind of a problem when your AC is twelve.
1: Yeah, uh, because we're going off um, ten plus her Constitution. So I'm struggling with the idea of potentially absorbing armor as like a part of the form, or the option to add Constitution and and Strength or Constitution and Dexterity. Because, because I think both of those could be interesting ways to manage this, um, to kind of make it a little bit harder to hit.
2: Yeah, that's probably good because I realised um, I get hit really easily, like really easily. Mm, and
1: <laughs> that's what I noticed when I reduced you to thirteen hit points with a CR three and a CR two creature. Yeah. Um, because you, you dealt a lot of damage, but also you took a lot of hits.
2: Yeah, I'm really lucky in the sense that um, usually I can get away with uh, dodging a lot of attacks because my dexterity is, like, crazy. Um, yeah. But turns out, turns out if I don't dodge the hit, it hurts really badly. Really quickly. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... That's where I'm still editing this class and this is, I think, a good experiment for me as a DM uh, and and for you as a player, I think, is that we are getting a chance to playtest this as we go um, and still discovering the limits of it. Um, so things like how long does it take to absorb memories? What happens if you get interrupted? Uh, can you absorb the memories of something that's dead or unconscious? Um, there's a whole bunch of interesting cases that we haven't written into the rules as such and get to make our own rulings on
2: yeah, when, um, before we started playing when Tully, like, Tully and I filled out my, my um, character sheet and, like, settled and everything uh, it was sort of done with the knowledge that I couldn't get too attached to any of these mechanics um, because if any of them turned out to be a little too inconvenient or, like, unbalanced um, That we just have to say goodbye to that one. And, uh...
1: Yeah. Exactly. And I'm really glad that the absorbed memories so far has been very good. Uh, It'll be interesting taking you into a a city and seeing how it goes there. Because, obviously, there's a lot more people and a lot more memories around. And, uh... It will be very interesting to see how that plays. Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking about the
0: AC thing. Um... And do you think perhaps, Sully, it would make more sense to, instead of raising Grace's AC, to give her resistance to a couple of types of physical damage, things that would be less, that would be less impactful on something made of slime?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, resistance to uh, slashing, piercing, and bludgeoning for from non-magical weapons. The only issue is that becomes a little bit less effective when you get to higher levels and you're dealing mostly with magical attacks and so i'm trying to make this a little more versatile that's true but i would argue
0: that that's balanced out by the fact that like most low level grunt enemies and stuff are still going to typically be using predominantly physical damage so even if grace is going to be taking like hard hits from big bads i mean that's what rogues are built for is to be able to avoid taking Mm. hard hits from big bads it's the like hordes that would be the problem, I would imagine. So it's like, like yeah. keep, if you can keep Grace up to a high enough HP that she can take a couple of hits um, by having resistances. I then mean, by the time you get to like having, a magical enemy, Grace's higher health than
1: everyone should balance out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's probably now that you've put it like that, that's probably going to be the next solution we go with is some sort of resistance to the, that kind of damage. <laughs> Uh, because and keep your AC mm. low. I think it's.
0: I think it's a good. I think it's a, at least worth exploring because I think it would. Um, mm. If if it does balance out, okay. I mean, it would make more sense from like a law
1: perspective. Mm. And as a rogue, you will still get your uncanny dodge and your evasion, exactly, which means that, that next level. against saving throws. Yeah, so against saving throws, that's going to be you're going to be pretty good against mm. them.
0: Plus, I mean, bonus action, but hide and
1: it... disengage and shit. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, we should actually talk a little bit about how this Oblex physically appears in the world, because that's a very interesting take. Yeah. Um, so
0: for a while, this Oblex was just, like, a fun little gal who was just a fun member of our party, and nobody really knew anything. We were just kind of hanging out with someone. I, I do...
1: I do explicitly remember, because she comes across as a little half-elf girl, or a little elf girl. Yeah, she's a
2: and half-elf. And there
1: was a charm, yeah, and there was a charm effect that was placed, and I remember Lachlan calling out, uh, actually, uh, you should have resistance against charm effects, and I was like, yes, great, great, Adelaide is charmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I and should. And it was sort of, like, brushed off as, <laughs> it was kind of brushed off as, like, yes, but she has it anyway, bye. Um... <laughs> And then for that to... The the revelation of this was about as good as I could have hoped because I'd been secretly messaging Grace throughout, basically saying, hey, you're really hungry. Hey, things are starting to get real hard. You are feeling weak. Take a point of exhaustion. Um, until it got to a point where they were about to walk into an ambush and Adelaide messaged me saying, hey, can I eat the guard? <laughs> And the response was, with a high enough stealth check, yes. Um, <laughs> and she nailed the stealth check.
2: It was really funny, though, because Lachlan was being... Lachlan was, like, really playing the game. They were like, okay, so if we roll this, if we send you in and then you go in, and then we had, like, a whole st- strategy laid out that Lachlan and the others were, like, picking at. And I was like, can I eat him, please? Yeah. Um, And Lachlan was like, ha, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Anyway, back to the plan. And I was like, anyway, I'm going to go eat that. No, can I eat him? <laughs> can I... Ha- can I have that, please? Can I have a little, little nibble, please?
1: <laughs> Adelaide can have a little cobalt. As a treat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Good choice. And then I just knew all the the tunnel maps because yeah, I ate you, his brain.
1: Ate his brain, rolled a history check, and learned all there was to know about the tunnels. And I I think that was a really good way to reveal that to the party at quite a crucial moment. <laughs>
2: we have been in those And tunnels. completely
1: ruined... Co- completely changed the encounter that I had set because it was an ambush and it ended up being you ambushing everyone else.
2: We're just that good.
1: You're just that good. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good... It was a good experiment in keeping things secret until the players decide to reveal it. Yeah. Um, which I really liked. Uh, we had a similar experience with Lachlan and I where it wasn't until I revealed my background of being a war criminal that the other players found out about it. Yeah. Um, which was really fun.
0: Yeah, it definitely made it more... It made it a better moment for like the party as a whole, because I feel like that's always the difficulty with stuff like this, is the risk that um, some player's interesting thing about their story is going to then just kind of take over the whole thing and it's just going to be the focus of everything. And I think that mm. doing it this way, having it be, like, an interesting surprise for the players, means that, like, everyone gets more organic reactions, so everyone gets to feel out kind of what they would actually do, as opposed to just sitting there and, like, being ready for it to happen, and then just being like, okay, well, cool, my friend's gonna do their thing now. You get to just be, like, you get to respond to it in a way that kind of gives you more to, to work with, if it's, like, an organic mm. uh, inclusion. As opposed to just kind of, like, exactly. metagamed in.
2: Mm.
1: And as this is sort of developed, uh, one of the interesting things about this is because of the background, um, oblexes are canonically uh, Mind flare experiments on oozes, and our background for you is very much you can't quite remember your personhood. Mm.
2: Yeah. Uh, the reason... the. I mean, my character is not Adelaide, but is, for all intents and purposes, Adelaide, because doesn't really have a identity outside of their first victim, I guess. Mm. Which makes it easier for me, because I, I don't have to come up with slime backstory. Makes it fun for you, because you do get to come up with slime backstory.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so I've got a little bit of a, a woven story about... Which... It has changed a couple of times, but now it's finally cemented about what exactly happened and why you've ended up here, Um, which is good. And I am yet to see whether or not we're going to discover it or whether it's going to be left alone for a long while. But it does tie a lot into the larger narrative and the freedom to do that as a DM was very good. Oh, yeah. Because it means that... I am then able to make you, essentially, a center, central piece of the story, even if you don't know it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that works. And, and I guess that's, like, the most important thing, right, to take away from all of this, is that if you're going to have something cool, if you want to do something, like, neat and secret and whatever, just make sure your DM knows. Mm. Just make sure your DM knows what's yeah, going exactly. on so they
1: can work out how to weave it in. Um, and, and a good DM will make it work for you because they want you to have the best storytelling experience. And if they say no, likely they've got a reason for it. Um, I sadly had to veto one of Brooke's ideas uh, because it was just a little too silly, um, even though I love it. Yeah, yeah, but it's got to meet Um, the tone of the world that you're creating as well. Exactly. I mean, she's still going to make the idea and give it to me. She just knows I'm going to say no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... uh, yeah, I think trusting your DM and, and building those characters collaboratively can lead to such interesting inclusions uh, in your story and in the world. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it. I also think that if, just kind of as a rule, if you're a DM and your party is coming to you with this sort of shit, because um, obviously when I was prepping for my campaign, I was working out similar stuff with like Tully um, about his backstory. Mm. And kind of the easiest thing for me was to realize, okay, cool. Well, my players want to have specific, like, interesting secret backstory stuff. I'll make sure that each of them gives me something. So that way it's kind of hmm. like... it. I don't want to say so much that's, like, fairer. It's... But it is.
2: Everyone gets the opportunity to have a secret if they want it.
0: It's it is more interesting. Yeah. It is more interesting if everyone has that kind has the same level of depth because that sort of that idea of like having like a secret thing in your backstory. It's typically just it's typically whatever your character's like actual motivation is, or whatever their actual backstory is, or like whatever their actual goals to achieve are. So it gives Mm. the players an opportunity to, like, find common ground among those things. Um, Yeah. And if you get something from everyone, like when I was, um, not to get too into it, because I think we're going to do a thing on Tully's character later, but um, when I was Mm. prepping my campaign, having everyone have their own thing meant... I could weave all of those things into a couple different aspects of the world. So there were like still, cause I was trying to set up like a big open world thing. And it meant that there were still like three or four places that the party could all go together where they would all be furthering their own goals and the goals oh. of the party. So that mm-hmm. everything felt like interesting and dynamic rather than just being like, okay, well, here's a list of quests you found on a notice board. Go do them.
1: Yeah, and by comparison, and I think we've talked about the comparison between our campaigns before, but by comparison, I'm playing a lot more with the invisible railroad, where I want your your interactions to determine how you, uh, how you interact with the world and how the world responds. But also, I'm not necessarily building a huge open world. I'm creating a narrative that reacts to you as players. Yeah. And with that, um, I didn't so much take hardline you have this place and this is how you reacted with it for everyone but i make sure that everyone's got a lens through which they can view the world and their actions um and that has really guided a lot of actions so far even down to you know squid disappearing or greebo's actions in hindsight
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so and we'll talk a little more about uh Griebo in a later episode um we will explore squid as well, I think, um, because last episode was mostly about uh, creating an alternate character. That makes sense. But get um, yeah, full reference. Yeah, we're
0: just trying to get a couple of these in the bank. A couple of these little short, more kind of off the cuff, little casual insights into how we do things on our, at our own tables. Um, partly because people, I mean, people have been listening to the show for a good long time, and we don't really talk about our campaigns much, especially these days. Um, and I think mm. that, th- that at least I can say for myself, the way that I play and run d d has changed qu- a lot since I started doing this show. Um, absolutely. And also just because, uh, we're all meeting up in the next few days and we thought that it would be nice to try and do our next big recording in person. Just kind of get that, get that like old school dungeon deep dive in the pod loft energy back. Um, that we haven't been able to get in a little yeah. while, so just that—that's why we're doing a couple of these at the moment. Yeah. So if you—if you're listening to this right now, um, either you've listened to our next episode, or it's coming out next week. So.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And this should be uh, great fun. We figured it'd be nice to get some off-the-cuff stuff that's a bit low pressure, but so that you guys have something to listen to between episodes too. Yeah. because um, it gives us a chance to make uh. Some slightly better researched and lower stress uh, episodes for the main stuff. But it means you guys have something to to hear on the off weeks. Yeah, we don't want to leave you without anything, but things are just
0: hectic right now, I'm sure everyone understands. Um, But it's good, because quarantine's easing, and we can now record in person at least, even if it's just at our houses.
1: Yeah. Uh, It'll be good to get back in. And, um, yeah, I suppose uh, we'll do a bunch of these just on a couple of different people. Uh, as I've said in the last one, if you want to uh, talk about your character uh, on the on the podcast, uh, feel free to write in to deepdivetnc at gmail.com uh, or contact us on the socials at Dungeon Deep Dive and we can organise a time uh, for you to talk through the character you've always wanted to talk yeah, about.
0: Yeah, or if you just want to send in some stuff and have us kind of talk about some things, then feel free to send in some ideas or some stories or some whatever. And like, if you're not the sort of person that wants to like talk yourself, you know. We'll talk for I you. I
2: will be your voice. I I volunteer to be your voice. I can read. So that helps.
1: She is actually the only one of us that can read. I never um, did learn.
2: I do a lot of heavy lifting writing show notes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Tully writes yeah. them, but I have And to, writing our notes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Tully writes a lot of the show notes, but then I have to read them back to him so that he knows <laughs> what he's put down. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I write it all in in pictographs, <laughs> and then Grace will will interpret that, read it back to me, make mm. sure I've got it correct, and then write it uh, on a keyboard. Yeah, it's
2: all in wingdings. Um,
1: yeah, I can
0: I can read <laughs> and write, but only in the long lost Babylonian language.
1: Um, so, and again, the only p- other person on the podcast that can read that, is yeah. Grace, so super.
0: so so I could decipher I could decipher like inscriptions on the Tower of Babel, but God. God help me trying to navigate a recording program. Yeah, it's five, ridiculous.
2: Five whole years of university finally taught me something, I guess.
1: <laughs> to read. Um, cool. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Adelaide? Because uh, she's a lovely, nasty gal.
2: She's lovely. She's nasty. I don't really have anything to say too much about her. Um. So she's got. She's starting her collection of uh, bodies. So far, we've got Adelaide, the half-elf orphan, and we have uh, unnamed kobold 4. He's small, he's cool. Yeah, kobold
1: grunt number Um. (laughs) 7.
2: If I need to be a lizard, I can be. So that comes in handy for all the lizard scenes.
1: It's pretty handy, and I'm looking forward to seeing who you choose as your next victims. Um, It will be very good. Um, I also I do love the images that you've sent through. Uh, there's a couple of different <laughs> sketches that Grace has done. Uh, if you aren't familiar, if you haven't heard in previous episodes, Grace is a very talented artist. You can catch her uh, on her tag at Knitting Anarchist uh, on Instagram. or oh, is it Knitting Anarchy? At knitting uh, Anarchist on pretty much every social media.
2: Yeah, everything's Knitting Anarchist except for Twitter, which is Knitting Anarchy because they wouldn't let me have that many letters. And they bullied me about
1: it. Bloody letter caps. Yeah. Um, cool at, at, twitter, at, at knitting anarchist on uh, most social media yeah. at knitting anarchy on twitter um, there's some lovely sketches on her patreon uh, that are of Adelaide the nasty gal uh, getting a bit gooey gooey and uh, I particularly love the image of this lovely little half-elf gal holding a giant backpack mm-hmm. full of goo. Yeah. Uh, there's something about that image that is very yeah, visceral. Yeah,
2: Tully, like, Tully was like, you have a lot of goo. If you change into this person who's so small, you're going to have a bit of goo left over. And I was like, can I just stick it in a backpack? Can I just carry it around?
0: And sure enough. And I was like, yeah, I can't see yeah, why I not. Yeah, I can't
2: see why not. And then Tully goes, oh, the customs officer at the train station checks your backpack first session. And I was like, well, thanks, Tully.
1: He was fine with all the goo, though. I mean...
2: The guy was fine was with the He was fine goo. with
1: the... Well, I mean, now that you know that they were all aware of a changeling in their presence, it makes a little more Ma- sense.
2: Maybe he was just really into, like, goo-themed ASMRs.
0: That's true. He's just got a, a, a goo thing. Yeah, he could have just thought it was, like, a YouTube slime channel.
1: Mm. <laughs> um... Yeah. And if you meet Gideon again, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Isn't he dead?
2: No, I don't think he is.
1: No, Gideon's alive. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, so Gideon wasn't on the train. Gideon was uh, still in the town. He was the town marshal.
0: For reference, listeners at home, uh, there were a couple of people on a train, and the train was subsequently immediately destroyed, along with all of the people alive inside it. So that was my confusion. I thought that Gideon was one of those people that Tully tragically murdered in that train accident.
1: There was... I only tragically murdered one person, thank you very much, and that was the, the train conductor.
0: That's true. I mean, fuck train conductors, am I
1: right? ATCAB? <laughs> a- a- <laughs> At- <laughs> um, I'm sorry to all train conductors listening to this podcast. We, re- we love and respect you. God. Um, yeah, so hopefully as you listen, uh, you'll get a little more of a... Uh, Picture of the story so far and the characters within it, um, and a little more familiar with us as people as we talk about the things that we like. Yeah.
0: If you think this was neat, let us know. If you don't, I mean, tell me, but I'm not going to be happy about it.
2: Just like, yeah, no, DM me so Lachlan doesn't see the criticism because it will make them very upset.
0: Yeah, I'll weep for, for hours. But I, I was going to do that anyway. So like, don't, don't let it stop you. Don't let it stop you. I just want to let you
1: know. Exactly. Yeah, it's important that yeah. you know. Um, thank you, everybody, for sticking with us. Thank you once again for joining me, uh, Grace and Lachlan.
0: And get horny for our next episode on quarantine. I'm just dropping it here. I'm letting you know. Fuck yeah, it's on quarantine. Um, honestly, it's probably part of the reason Amazing. it's taken so long. It's stressful to research quarantine right now.
2: Well, you're yeah, well, you're in and It is. Yeah.
0: We are in quarantine. It'll be a good app, though. Got some good stuff. Looking forward to it. Talk to of- you then. Talk to you then. What? Uh, what? Wow. Uh, wow.
1: <laughs> cool. That's that's a wrap on Adelaide. Yeah, for yeah. my